This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, I hope everyone is doing well. Lots of stuff to cover today. A whole bunch of stuff. I hope you got a chance to listen to episode 70. We talked about the history of the technocracy. I started to show you how the technocracy is beginning to rise as we speak, talked a little bit more about transhumanism, and started to lay out my theory on how technocracy and transhumanism are merging to form technocratic transhumanism. So check that out if you haven't. Episode 70, it dropped at midnight last night. All right, folks, lots to do today, lots of information, lots of intelligence pouring in from across the folks at pain.tv slash gold and over at Twitter, as well as on the Telegram. So I want to clear my desk of some of the things you've been sharing with me to tie into the stories that we have been covering here. First off, big announcement. I've got three guests shaping up here for the show actually four but one of them isn't going to be for a few weeks three guests shaping up now all from pain.tv slash gold so i appreciate that very much we'll be talking with one guest about all of the sci-fi movies over the last couple of decades that tie into the real life sci fact versus the science fiction we have the science fact and we're seeing all that come to fruition now so it's going to be a great show and then we have have Jim. Many of you know Jim from pain.tv slash gold over there from the Hotwire. Lots of people signing up for the Hotwire. You get access to everything you would in the normal subscription, but you also get access to Mike Moore's Hotwire, which is the highest level of intelligence. And I'm working on starting to see if I can put together a Hotwire type show over there as well. We'll see if we can make that happen. But anyway, lots of people signing up for the Hotwire. So Jim from the Hotwire, known as Wide Awake on Twitter, always promoting using cash, uh, going analog, and basically staying off the grid. Jim has been studying 
Uh, he knows a lot, a lot about finance. He was in finance. And so Jim has been studying CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, and the Bank for International Settlements. And so he follows Catherine Austin Fitz, who has been on the Thomas Paine podcast. He follows John Titus and others. That is not my area of expertise, but I was getting ready in the coming weeks to start to put together a couple of shows on Bank for International Settlements, BlackRock, and on CBDC, because that is going to be core to the prison planet matrix, whichever ones of us are lucky enough to be turned into transhumanist monsters and are allowed to live in the prison planet world as well as inside of the cyber metaverse prison planet will be run by uh, CBDC tokens. So uh, Jim is going to come on and talk about that stuff with us. It looks like right now it'll be November 4th. Now, plans may change based on when our baby's born and how that turns out, but as of right now he will come on november 4th so he sent me a lot of information already to research and read up on so that i could handle this conversation with him but i would rather have him coach us through this since he is an expert in these areas and then that way we can start to work that in and fit that into our overall diagram on technocratic transhumanism and the prison planet matrix metaverse so i am really excited about that see i've asked you guys the last month to reach out if you have information you want to share research you've done over the years intelligence that i am not aware of and so people are reaching out and i love it folks i really do i appreciate it and i'm looking forward to these interviews all right that's going to be fantastic now the other thing wonderful piece of intelligence i just picked up today we had a meeting my wife and i did with one of our midwives very intelligent woman wealth of knowledge and so she was just giving us the name of a doctor uh, who works with in part the amish community and he is an expert in homeopathy which we've been looking into over the last several of months and uh, have many friends now that we met in all cross sections of life that are into homeopathy and so this doctor uh, god it would be great if i could get him on as a guest but what we found out is that there's a test that he does i don't have all the details but it's a test that he does pretty standard in the homeopathy world and what he is finding what he's been finding this is not some social media doctor it's a real person that our midwife actually went and got um, advice from had a checkup with and he's helping her convert over to uh, homeopathic remedies and so he had run a test on her And he's saying what he has been finding personally in his office is that people who are unvaccinated, who do not have the COVID jab nor the booster, are showing signs of stuff in their bodies that are exactly what those who have gotten jabbed and are boosted have inside their body. And so he believes that the jab, the jabbed folks out there may in fact be shedding onto us or 
I don't know if all of you are jabbed or unjabbed. I know some people are, but the folks that are not, uh, they are shedding. And so this is quite interesting because I've been doing some reading on this uh, for my own purposes, not really for the show, uh, but choosing how to handle certain things with our coming baby. And so I find this to be quite interesting. I mean, I'm going to try to find out if I can get him on as a guest. He may not want to. I'm not sure. This guy might prefer to live in the shadows and be able to uh, keep his career without having the federal government shut him down. So um, I'll find out if I can do that. But if that is happening, folks, uh, it'd be nice to have a professional on the record tell us that here at the Dustin Gold Standard and over at the Thomas Paine Podcast, because I would share this guest with Mike as well, so we can get a further reach with this information. But I will keep you up to date on that, folks. And speaking of that, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but uh, I think this was Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine Podcast on Friday, sent this over to me because I live in Maryland. I'm not going to go into great detail on this. I just want to clear my desk of it it ties in nicely to that shedding information i just got literally one hour ago this is over at dailymail.com and this says government lab in maryland plans to create a hybrid monkeypox strain that is more deadly than one currently spreading in the united states NIAID research will see experts swap genes between two monkeypox strains. They will attempt to make currently dominant cled more lethal and infect mice. The aim of the project is to spur the development of better drugs for humans, right? Sure it is. But it comes amid growing concern about virus manipulation research in labs. And so uh, that's all I really want to give you on that, folks, because frankly, um, you know, it's it's just at this point now where we were talking about um, gain of function research for how many months. And so it obviously still continues. And myself personally, we're never going to know. I, I'm weighing a lot of this stuff for decisions we have to make on our child. And I just had this conversation with my uh, wife a little while ago you don't know the difference between what they're actually doing in these labs what is psychological warfare are they combining actually releasing viruses into the wild with psychological warfare is it just the regular strains of the cold and flu that we've seen for years and years but they're using psychological warfare and propaganda and mind control to basically build those things up and make everything seem extreme and now when you have a cough you have the sniffles most people now will run to the doctor and the hospital are they doing this to lead people to get more needles uh, eventually these dna modifying personalized jabs that they want to have roll out soon i don't know it's probably a combination of everything and if i go down this path folks i'll be researching this stuff for the rest of my life and i think at the end of the day you have to just absorb as much information as you can try to read between the lines try to look at where you think they're going with this uh take it from the perspective that these people are pure evil they are obviously fixated on you know depopulation building the technocracy and transhumanism so if that's their goal they're probably going to use all sorts of techniques to do this the only reason i 
tend to believe that they may not be actually cooking up viruses that they're intentionally leaking out of labs or spreading, um, is that the power brokers obviously don't want to get these diseases or viruses. And at the same time, even their puppets who do their bidding would be saying, I don't want to get these viruses. And even if they were given some sort of you know, antidote to this stuff so they're protected unless they are using these to target people via their DNA profiles, which we know Dr. Charles Morgan III, former CIA intelligence officer and government contractor for the military, has talked about openly. Um, so it's very hard to figure out exactly what's going on. I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of this. It says, Government Laboratory in Maryland plans to make the circulating monkeypox strain more lethal and high controversial research in mice the team wants to equip the dominant clad which mostly causes a rash and flu-like symptoms with genes from another strain that causes severe disease they hope the experiment will reveal how different genes make monkeypox more deadly and spur the development of better drugs and vaccines for humans well there you go more drugs more vaccines it comes just a week after dailymail.com revealed a similar experiment involving a hybrid covid strain which was conducted at boston university The latest monkeypox study is being funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, a research arm of the National Institutes of Health. All right, that's all I'm going to get into with that. But folks, just be aware, this is out there. Now you're seeing stories coming out that RSV, this respiratory disease, this virus, you know, the flu, COVID is back. It's all these diseases. So is it all hype? Is it all psychological warfare to drive people to the doctor, to push more vaccines, to push more jabs, you know, to force people into a problem reaction solution scenario where we start demanding more drugs and then they roll out the personalized DNA modifying shots? I think it definitely is part of that. You know, on the other side, are they actually releasing, you know, deadly diseases okay that is the the question all right that's always how i try to weigh this stuff i look at this stuff i have to try to war game it and basically reverse engineer what they're doing and then you have to weigh the risks um you know that you're willing uh, to take the stuff you're willing to gamble with that's how i look at it we live in a weird time everyone has to be their own doctor everyone has to be their own specialist uh but at the end of the day folks i think you got to go with your gut you have to trust yourself uh based on the research you've done experts you've talked to people that you can trust and believe in and then make your decision and be willing to live with it don't second guess yourself and don't beat yourself up if you're wrong Uh, You can end up doing that in any situation. You could decide to not have your child uh, vaccinated with any vaccines, and three years from now, maybe your child gets sick, and then you're blaming yourself for not giving your child the vaccines. But on the other hand, you could give your child the vaccines. Three years later, they end up really sick, and then you'll beat yourself up over the fact that you gave the child the vaccine. So at the end of the day, do your research, your due diligence, and then make an educated decision and be willing to stay 
stand by it and don't beat yourself up because at the end of the day, we're left with almost no good choices. Uh, every choice you make is going to end up having consequences and just be willing to live with those and not beat yourself up over it, folks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break. I don't want to, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. Jam Pack Show. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break. I am Dustin Gold. This is pain.tv slash gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Folks, feel free to just pause this show for one moment. Leave us a five-star review and a comment over at Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate that. It helps us grow. And we are growing, folks. We are growing every day. And to everyone who has signed up at pain.tv slash gold, thank you very much. We truly appreciate that. Uh, really, honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, we really do. It helps put food on the table, and you guys are obviously getting value out of that service, folks. And Mike Moore, the commander over there at pain.tv slash gold, is only going to grow that platform. There's a lot of discussion on new things in the works every day. I'm not part of every meeting, but I do get some uh, some hints over there from Mike Moore. He sends me some teasers on some new things they're working on. So feel free to join us for a few dollars a month, folks. All right. This is an article that came over to me from Hopeless American on Twitter. Thank you very much. They send me stuff all the time. This is on the metaverse, folks. I'm not going to be getting back to the metaverse for a while. So I wanted to throw that in here now as I am clearing my desk of information that, folks, Folks are sending me. This is an article from Axios.com. Hopeless Americans said they get this promoted stuff sent to them all the time because uh, from listening to the show and then doing research, now the algorithms uh, send them stuff uh, that relates to everything that they're researching. So this is interesting. It says creators look to the metaverse for businesses and job opportunities. And as we said, folks, this is moving at warp speed. You know, we may say that uh, it doesn't affect us, but it will affect us because this is the trajectory of the world at this moment. It says 72% of U.S. creators, those who monetize their content, goods, and services online, say the metaverse will bring new job opportunities as it continues to grow, a new study from Adobe finds. And I've mentioned to you before, folks, I have friends of mine in sales. I have friends of mine in technology, in healthcare, in military contracting, and everyone is talking about metaverse, 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 VR, AR, that's uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, everyone is moving in that direction, folks. It's It seems like this is a battle that probably can't be won other than 
if you just choose, as I do, to stay out of it. It says, globally, 77% of creators say they've hung out in the budding metaverse at least once, and 34% say they've already... Uh, they're already participating weekly through immersive experiences, including gaming, socializing, and shopping. 52% of creators who participate weekly say they're already working toward owning their own creative businesses. What this means, while the definition of the metaverse continues to evolve, the growing creator economy sees opportunity in immersive experiences and brands need to pay attention. Okay, and this is very important, folks, because whether you believe this, whether you don't believe this, I tend to believe it only because I know a lot of people in these uh, in the creative industries and people are looking to get involved with metaverse stuff. But this is uh, the worker bees, the people, humans generally just trying to figure out a way to expand their skills make a buck you know keep up with the times and so they're going to learn this they're going to program they're going to get involved with different platforms they're going to start getting involved with the metaverse and at the end of the day this is humans engineering their own demise they just don't know it yet so the evil people up at the top the true social engineers they know exactly how to drive people into the ditch they hand you the shovel and you dig your own ditch and that's what's happening right here folks it is uh the background it says more than 165 million global creators have joined the creator economy since 2020 according to adobe's inaugural future of creativity study what you need to know though popular games are often cited as early metaverse experiences creator creators see opportunities beyond gaming 55% of creators who participate in metaverse activities weekly see it as a venue for socialization, and 29% see it as a place to attend virtual concerts, trade shows, and educational events. Creators also see the metaverse as a place for business, a place to buy NFTs. We've gone into non-fungible tokens in detail here. It says uh, 29% of creators create NFTs, 24% of creators, and buy virtual real estate, 19% of creators, folks. So this is why we covered the metaverse in depth here. I explained it to you, NFTs, cryptocurrency, all that stuff, because it is here, folks. It is here. Why it's important. While entrepreneurial creators look to immersive experiences as the next frontier to monetize their work, there's also a huge opportunity for brands expanding the places and ways to deepen their relationships with customers and employees. Remember the e-commerce boom? It changed the business landscape forever. Brands that didn't recognize the opportunity got left behind, right? So the mom and pops who didn't get involved with e-commerce, boom, gone, out of here. That's what they're saying. And so they're saying the same thing about the metaverse. If you aren't going to convert to live inside of cyber prison planet world, then you too will be left behind. That is unless people like us start to form communities and we live in uh, half Amish mode. And we learn to grow our own vegetables and trade and barter with each other. It eventually has to happen, folks, because if it doesn't, we will be stuck. Those of us stuck in areas like where I am and everybody jumps into the metaverse and uh, we don't start to come together and organize in one place, then 
we will basically be stranded on our own islands. Uh, in other words, brands also need to become metaverse ready, preparing how to make the most of future opportunities by creating unique immersive customer experiences, entering the new e-commerce frontier, boosting uh, efficiency with new tools and inter uh, in internal business workflows. 3D technology is core to the metaverse, and in many ways, it'll serve as the backbone to these immersive experiences. Uh, It goes on to say how it's done. Start with a clear strategy for how you want your business to engage in the metaverse. Brainstorm the types of experiences and content you want to create. Learn on your computer. uh, Sorry about that. Lean on your customer and market understanding to find new ways to create value for your customers. So you have to now assume your customers are also going to be inside of the metaverse and you're going to market in the metaverse. See, if the metaverse didn't exist, none of this would exist. But now they're going to try to drive people into the metaverse, folks. It says here an example, the Smithsonian Institution created an augmented reality 3D coral reef exhibition using Adobe Arrow, a creative AR toolkit. Okay, they have unlimited budgets though. It says the 3D model serves as a remote learning experience for students to study the threats facing ocean ecosystems. Many years ago, when was that? 15 years ago? I actually sculpted a 35 foot wide, 14 foot high underwater coral reef that went into a casino in Long Island. That was back in the days when I did corporate art, custom corporate art. That was a lot of fun. Never got into sculpting stuff in the computer, though. Was never a fan of that. It says the benefits companies using 3D design aren't just positioning themselves ahead of the curve. They're also reaping other benefits. 3D design accelerates product design. Uh, Shaving weeks or even months off product development by eliminating a need for physical prototypes, allowing a company to test products virtually before investing in a physical version of a design, creating brand assets with a 3D proven 3D design proves cheaper, quicker, and more sustainable than working in a photo studio. Teams can change images and tweak products, designs in minutes. All right, folks. So there you go. This is the push for the metaverse adobe pushing it out there adobe suite uh, is something that a lot of designers have i've been paying for adobe suite once they moved to the cloud for many many years because i basically uh, was doing a lot of design work video editing logos graphic design stuff like that for myself and for client projects and so i've been an adobe customer going all the way back to college when i had to get photoshop and then once they went to the cloud about i don't know eight or ten years ago i've been paying my 50 a month ransom to Adobe to have access to the suite of uh, software, which I use for this show. I use Adobe Premiere to edit, Adobe Photoshop to do graphics, Adobe Illustrator to make uh, customized logos and such. So there you go, folks. Big push on the metaverse. All right, I want to show you this. This is a little short little segment called My Mom is Crazy and gullible (laughs) my mom is crazy and gullible yesterday i got a text from my mom and she said uh hey this was really crazy but on this show i watched the great british bake-off one of the uh cooks used crickets 
So I wrote back to her and said, Mom, this is uh, World Economic Forum, the worldwide fascist push to move us towards eating insects. I think I mentioned this to you before. Maybe listen to the show. It goes hand in hand with 3D printed meat, fake meat that I've talked to you about. And so she said, well, they said that crickets are high in protein. And I said, okay, uh, so is uh, dog turds. <laughs> and so she said, well, you know, this and that. And I said, well, mom you know this is the propaganda push but i was really thankful that she had actually sent that over to me because uh it's it shows the propaganda pushes here and i've talked to you about how they have the ability to propagandize folks to brainwash folks to push the marketing out on this stuff through all different channels so my mom watched a lot of cooking shows she's going to start to see the rise in crickets she's already seen the fake meat she'll see the rise in crickets and then you'll see the rise in crickets somewhere else i'll see the rise in crickets in another place and this is how they push the propaganda through these personalized echo chamber feedback loops that we discussed the other day so this article is out of walesonline.co.uk i was able to find what she was talking about it says the great british bake-off brought halloween forward a couple weeks for the uh, latest installment but despite some grumbles over the early spookiness viewers were most grossed out by one of the special ingredients used in one of the bakes for the novelty week for the halloween themes showstopper the remaining contestants were tasked to make a lantern uh, bake a kind of pinata contraption the judges would smash and loads of homemade goodies would fall out of brighton-based polish baker janu's Damagala, who was star baker in Cake Week, brought along an unusual crunchy ingredient for his bake, a Halloween horror movie popcorn made from biscuits and containing orange flavor truffles. The little truffles were made using ground up crickets. Yep, that's right. I'm a celebrity has crossed over onto Bake Off, and the viewers and fans were not down with it. As an extra special crunch, Janus placed a whole cricket inside the little truffle. Quote, this is the one with the cricket flower, Pure asked. Uh, quote, it's a bit too uh, stickly sweet for me. Uh, sickly sweet for me said paul and uh quote i think you should have a bit more cricket in there and quote prue added prue is like the uh one of the judges quote crickets have got quite a nice savory flavor end quote paul also said he was concerned about some of janu's flavors going wayward anyway folks you see there that's how they weave the crickets into pop culture and so as i was talking with my mom back and forth who doesn't know all about this world economic forum push for the crickets she said to me well they're high in protein that's what the chef said and so uh i laughed about it and i said okay well i guess order your crickets mom you will do what you want to do so folks get ready for the rollout of the crickets i'll be right back i'm gonna bounce quickly like a cricket over to the bathroom and then i'll see you on the other side ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard 
www.pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, that was my segment. My mom is crazy and gullible. <laughs> as I believe many of your friends and family are as well, folks. All right, listen, over the break, I got to tell you, I was... I didn't really have to go to the bathroom. I just say that sometimes because it's a nice uh, bridge to get to the break. But, folks, I just popped onto Amazon here just for the heck of it. And I looked up uh, cricket food. (laughs) Oh, folks, this is hilarious. They have uh, cricket bites, three-pack of assorted flavored edible insects made in Portland, Oregon. They have Bud's Whole Roasted Crickets. Yeah, you can get a quarter pound of those for $18. They've got the Combo Pack Chapulines Edible Dehydrated Grasshoppers. You can get those for $16.99, folks. The first ones, though, it's a three-pack. It's $11.95. That's the assorted flavor edible insects. And then they've got, uh, let's see here. They got more of these Chupulines edible dehydrated grasshoppers from Mexico. They've got Fluker's high calcium cricket diet. It's like a powder. There's Fluker's cricket quencher calcium fortified. Provides clean water and calcium to crickets and feeder insects. So that's actually to feed your crickets, I guess. So if you're going to raise crickets and then eat the crickets. But the other stuff was was human food, folks. Wow, this is so there's cricket food. So don't don't get confused. Don't buy the food for the crickets uh, and then eat it yourself. Make sure you actually get the crickets. All right. This one, I don't know. This is a natural dried crickets and appetizing mealworms. <laughs> natural. I don't know if that's for people or that's for the animal. I don't know, folks. Go take a look at it yourself. Go take a look. But some of this stuff is actually for people to eat. So it's already out there. It's already out there. All right. What I want to show you quick, you might have seen this clip, but uh, Hopeless American sent this over to me and Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays. And this is our old buddy, Klaus Schwab. But the reason why I'm going to play this, folks, it's important because it fits into what we talked about in episodes 69 and 70. I believe 69, I read you the story of Elon Musk, and I told you how they're framing Elon Musk up to be the president of the coming technocracy. And then yesterday, I explained to you what technocracy is. And I started to give you some examples of how the technocracy is already here. It is being uh, put into place, backdoored through the so-called private sector uh, by driving uh, blue-collared workers, the service industry, creatives into a system controlled by the technologists. And now they are controlling you know, the goods and services. And I will just say this. Uh, this is coming, folks. It is coming. It's probably coming a lot faster than you think. 
But what is ultimately going to happen is the grocery stores that you go to, and I'm not talking about farmer's markets, like the big grocery stores that you go to, they are eventually going to be turned into uh, essentially Amazon hubs, warehouses. I don't know if they're going to completely remove those brick and mortar stores and there'll be one giant central warehouse or in the bridge scenario these stores are going to be turned into warehouses but basically the idea of you going into a store shopping i believe is going to be over uh probably within a couple of years everything's going to be turned into warehouses and everything will be delivered so they'll actually control the goods behind lock and key you'll be ordering them maybe in the metaverse but essentially over e-commerce using an app like instacart uh, or doordash and then that stuff will be delivered to you and and i know from uh, maybe i'll be able to get a source on here but inside this is this move is already in play and so that's probably going to start to happen uh kroger which is owned uh which is i believe the largest grocery store in the united states now is building a big warehouse in this area there are no kroger stores here but that is going to be basically online order only so you're going to start to see this happen this amazon uh, model and so this is how the technocracy is going to take control of the manufacturing and production of goods and then the distribution of the goods and the services. You're seeing it. So let's go back to this video. This is on India Today from October 2019, pre-COVID land, the high school theater production. And let's just listen to what Klaus Schwab had to say back then. Who will really command the fourth industrial revolution and its technology? like artificial intelligence. What's your sense of who's best placed at this time to lead the world into the fourth industrial revolution? Because you pretty much created this term. We're seeing the kind of technological strides that China has made with Huawei, with the 5G technology. Do you believe that this could potentially be China's time once again? Okay, so this gentleman here is asking Klaus Schwab, who is fit, what nation state is fit to help advance the fourth industrial revolution as he credits Klaus Schwab with basically coming up with that term of which Klaus Schwab wrote the books of fourth industrial revolution back in 2016. So he's asking Klaus, who is best fit? Is it China? Because China was rolling out 5G at the time. October 2019. Of course, Klaus, you know, obviously knew it was a few months before COVID land, the high school theater production kicked off, Klaus's great reset. And so you know that he was sitting there going, (laughs) don't worry, we already have it in place. All right, let's listen to what he says. We we should make here uh, again a, a, let's say, a differentiation on the one hand, we have uh, state capitalism. On the other hand, we have shareholder or private capitalism. So it's okay. So let, let's just pause that for a second. Let me explain. So he he is saying, let's let's look at this clearly. He's saying we have basically state sponsored capitalism, and then we have shareholder capitalism, companies, private companies, right? So he's saying you have the state. Uh, governments which run the economic system 
Uh, and then you have the companies and basically shareholder capitalism, which would be you own stocks in that company. There's investors in that company, people that want to see the company succeed because they want to get a return on their investment in that company. I'm going to roll it back a couple seconds and play this. Again, a, a, let's say a differentiation on the one hand, we have uh, state capitalism. On the other hand, we have shareholder or private capitalism. So it's a clash between two systems. I, I believe that. Okay, so what he's saying is state capitalism and the shareholder or private capitalism, you know, private company versus a publicly traded company with shares. So he's saying you have the two clashing, right? Well, what has the World Economic Forum been focused on? I've explained this to you. It is the public-private sector partnership, the bringing together of the state and the so-called private sector, which they're all combined now. It's one entity. I argue that this will be or this is the technocracy. All right, let's continue. Um, state capitalism in the short term, in the short term provides certain advantages because you can mobilize in a concentrated way a lot of resources to reach a specific objective. Okay, so what he said there was that in the short term, the state right under state capitalism can push forward the fourth industrial revolution faster than the shareholder or private capitalism the companies the publicly traded companies or private companies because the state basically controls the levers of power and therefore they could force the fourth industrial revolution faster all right let's continue but i believe that the future is not state capitalism or shareholder capitalism the future is what i call stakeholder capitalism which um, is combined with the social responsibility okay so so Okay, so what he is talking about here, folks, is what he calls, basically he created this term, stakeholder capitalism, uh, which he wrote about in uh, his books a long time ago. And so he's been advocating for this idea of stakeholder capitalism for over 50 years. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail on stakeholder capitalism. I think we're going to save that discussion for our conversation with Jim or Wide Awake on Twitter because Jim uh, can explain this uh, in more depth. And so if, if I start doing stakeholder capitalism now with you, it's going to take me a couple of shows and I don't want to spend a couple of shows on stakeholder capitalism yet. But I just have up on the screen, it's a quick Google search in case you want to check this out yourself. I just looked up stakeholder capitalism, okay? And it'll say here who came up with it. Uh, Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, maybe among uh, the first people to use the term stakeholder capitalism about 50 years ago. World Economic Forum recently updated its original Davos manifesto to clearly advocate for business strategies that address the needs of all stakeholders. And so here's something quick. What is the difference between stakeholder and shareholder capitalism? A shareholder owns part of a public company through shares of a stock, right? While a stakeholder has an interest in the performance of a company for reasons other than stock performance or appreciation. These reasons 
often mean that the stakeholder has a greater need for the company to succeed over a longer period uh, of time, over a longer term. And so if you research this in depth, uh, I will just tell you in short, the idea behind stakeholder capitalism that he sells, Klaus Schwab sells, is that there are customers, there are contractors of that company, there are a bunch of people, not just the people invested in it, that rely on that company. And so they should have a say in how these companies operate. And then what they're looping in is this social component that these companies have to be socially responsible because they're going to answer to the stakeholders. But the idea is that the governments, the country governments, the nation states will be gone and everything will be operated by this idea of stakeholder capitalism. So these companies, these conglomerates uh, are in charge of everything. But don't worry because you have a stake in those companies. You need them to succeed and they're going to answer to you and therefore they'll be socially responsible based on what you desire. When we get back, I'll explain that. Just hold on. Think about it for a minute, folks. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Ping.TV slash gold. All right, folks, let me just quickly make this point here. So just a little more, what is stakeholder capitalism? Stakeholder capitalism is a system in which corporations are oriented to serve the interests of their stakeholders. Among the key stakeholders are customers, suppliers, employees, shareholders, and local communities. All right, so what Klaus Schwab is doing here, uh, sort of the spokesman, the PR man for the technocracy, which is the fourth industrial revolution, right is they are telling people that don't worry because these companies that will be in control that will be effectively the new government folks are going to answer to the customers suppliers employees shareholders and local communities now here is the scam the scheme and the grift that is going on folks and we'll get deeper into this with jim with wide awake but what's happening is yesterday this was important why we covered the technocracy before we talked about this the idea behind the technocracy going back all the way to 1919 right was this idea that the scientists and the engineers were going to control the world under a worldwide government with no illusion of representative government parliamentary systems dictatorships or whatever you want to say no communism no socialism no capitalism no fascism just the scientists and the engineers are going to control everything but remember they are good guys and they're looking out for your best interests and so the people are going to make the decisions 
And then the scientists and the engineers are going to listen to us. And why that system would work, folks, is because representative democracy, constitutional republic that we have right here, this representative government, it's worked so well, you know, because the people that are supposed to be in charge that we elect to answer to the will of the people have listened. Okay, obviously that failed. And so now the scientists and engineers, they want the opportunity to do this. Well, what's happening, I'm telling you, excuse me, is this is being backdoored in via multiple, multiple ways, including the gig industry. I won't explain that again, but including the gig industry and these online gig platforms for creatives like Fiverr.com. And now what's going to happen, I'm telling you, it's the consolidation of business uh, into the hands of the technocrats, these businessmen that represent the science, the engineer, the uh, technologist, right? The Elon Musk, the Peter Thiels, these guys. So now the consolidation of business ends up under the hands of the scientists and engineers. And then these companies like Amazon that will control everything, it's basically going to be these technocratic oligarchs essentially, that will control large sectors of the production, of the supply chain, of the distribution of the goods and services, will be in control. But then you take this idea of stakeholder capitalism that Klaus Schwab is selling. Now, that serves two purposes. One, he's able to tell all the CEOs, all of these uh, corporate bureaucrats, that don't worry you're going to be in charge of this stuff. Like, do you think that the CEO would turn over the reins of his company or the board of directors would turn over the reins of their company and the decisions to the customers, the suppliers, the employees, and the local community? I'm talking so fast today. But um, no, of course, these people are not going to turn over control of these companies. So they have the CEOs on board because they're promising them that they are going to be these oligarchs in charge of these various sectors. And then at the same time, they're taking the idea of the stakeholder capitalism and they're going to sell that to the public. Remember, I told you, it's better for them to get people on board with this and to accept it, if not cheer it on, because they don't want to have to do this by gunpoint. If they force people into it by gunpoint, then it's not going to work because there's always going to be these resistors. In this case, I don't know. Let's just take a guess. 90% of people will gladly get on board. 10% of us, people like me and you, are not going to get on board with this, but it doesn't matter if only 10% resist. So they're going to talk the general public into this. They probably aren't going to use stakeholder capitalism. I mean, we'll have to watch the media and entertainment to see if they start injecting this, just like they're starting to inject the idea of crickets everywhere uh, or the metaverse everywhere. But they'll sell it to the public as some sort of equitable system in which you're going to be able to vote on certain things directly to the oligarchs that control the various systems, et cetera, et cetera. So you will be uh, scammed into it, schemed into it through propaganda. But what's going to happen is they'll eliminate the so-called governments and it'll be replaced with a government of the actual scientists and engineers controlling these various sectors 
and supply chains. And that effectively will be the technocracy. So now you understand why World Economic Forum is in charge of creating the public-private alliance, the public-private partnership, because they need the companies on board and they need the governments on board. So a lot of these politicians must be promised something. They're going to move into positions on boards of these companies. I don't know how all that's going to work yet, folks. But basically, they're going to turn over the reins of uh, power to the scientists and engineers, and it'll just be more publicly known than it is today. And they're going to do it through this stakeholder capitalist system which is basically the technocracy. And and that's how it's going to work, and that is what is happening today. It's consolidation of the businesses right now under the hands of the technocrats. That's what we're seeing happen. Now, let me just show you something else that popped up here, folks, okay? This is at CNBC.com, and it's great because this came out yesterday. I didn't see it until I was done recording the show, episode 70, and I had just gotten done talking about the technocracy and part of the technocracy or quasi-technocracy is that there are representative uh, politicians, you know, elected representatives, but the government hands over the reins of the major decisions and the engineering of society and the economy to the technocrats, right? That's part of the quasi-technocracy. And so this is an article that had just come out on CNBC.com. It says, how Google's former CEO, Eric Schmidt, helped write artificial intelligence laws in Washington without publicity disclosing investments or without publicly disclosing investments in artificial intelligence startups. And so I, I think I may have even mentioned Eric Schmidt being on the AI Council as an example when I was explaining technocracy and how our government is turning over major pieces of the government and managing a society to these technologists, these scientists and engineers. So when this came up, I said, wow, this is pretty amazing that this landed in our lap. So it says right here, five months after Schmidt was appointed to the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, that was by Trump, by the way, he made a little notice private investment in an initial seed round of financing for a startup company called Beacon. It. it was the first of a handful of direct investments he would make in artificial intelligence startup companies during his tenure as chairman of the Artificial Intelligence Commission. While there is no indication that Schmidt broke any ethics rules or did anything unlawful, government ethics advisors say his investment presented a huge conflict of interest. And so I'm not going to go into this article because the details are not really important. I'm just showing you there you go. All right. That's Eric Schmidt, former head of Google who was, uh, well, many call him actually the new Henry Kissinger, which we haven't even gone into deep dives on Kissinger yet, but I will eventually get to that, folks. But there you go. There is a technocrat who was put on a committee advising the president about the United States government investing in artificial intelligence and governing artificial intelligence. And so, meanwhile, he's cashing in on the sidelines, making investments in artificial intelligence companies. But this is an example of the technocracy in full swing, the government outsourcing decision-making on laws, on laws. Look at the title of the article there. 
Okay. How Google's former CEO, Eric Schmidt, helped write AI laws in Washington. All right. So they bring in these people that are not elected. This is not a representative who's helping shape laws. He answers not to me, not to you. Okay. And so he's helped shaping laws for AI, which is technology. And we know that AI's job is going to be to replace us or at least force we mere mortal humans into a position in which we have to merge with ai under the concept of singularity folks so there you go another example of technocracy in full swing and coming to fruition all right now, I want to show you this article here, folks. This is a little segment I call, My Dad is Crazy and Gullible. So, yesterday, folks, uh, my mother and father divorced, by the way. So, they were not texting on the same chain and they were not sitting there together. But my father texted me over, as he always does, some screenshots uh, from when he's watching Tucker Carlson. He sits there with his iPad and takes pictures of the TV and sends me things. Stuff that I usually write back and say, wow, I told you that three years ago, but I guess it's not true until Tucker Carlson tells you. So yesterday, he's watching Tucker Carlson, and apparently Tucker is talking about this story. New York City mayor reacting to subway crime suggests not wearing headphones. So my father has to go into a long rant about how the New York City mayor is a fruitcake and now this guy is doing this but he helped create the crime and then he belittles the police officers and now the police officers aren't doing their job to enforce the law because they are the final line between the criminals and the non-criminals and so my father sends it over to me and I was thinking to myself, okay, uh, how am I going to write him back? And so I put a response together and I told him this is all part of the plan. This is how you usher in a prison planet technocracy. You have to create the problem, provoke the reaction, and offer the solution. And when I get back, folks, I will offer you the solution. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. So, folks, I hope you like these new segments. Uh, one is my mom is crazy and gullible, and the other one is my dad is crazy and gullible. I know, very creative. <laughs> I'm actually gonna thinking about making a sound effect and a graphic for that and start making that a regular segment because you wouldn't believe the stuff that I have to deal with, folks, when they are uh, texting me. All right, let's just look at this article quick, and then I'll explain this to you. It says, New York City Mayor Eric Adams suggested Friday that subway riders not wear headphones or focus on their phones during rides due to crime. Well, what happens, folks, when they're walking around with their augmented reality headset on? I don't know. 
It says, in a wide-ranging interview with Fox 5's Good Day New York, the Democratic leader opened with crime, saying that there had been a 47% increase in subway arrests. Adams said the city's government is working to ensure that residents feel safe in the Big Apple. Quote, I rode the subway yesterday, and it's the same thing. I haven't put my ear pods in for over a year because I feel like I need to uh, be very much aware, end quote, said anchor Bianca Peters. Quote, that's a quality of life issue. And so the uh, mayor replied, well, first, I think that you were right about, you know, not having your iPods in, not focusing on the phone. And I say yes to that. I do the same. And we put a video and information telling people about being aware of what's around them and what's taking place. I encourage New Yorkers to do that. All right, listen, without going into great detail on this, I immediately was thinking to myself, well, this is all part of the setup, folks. So the demonizing of, uh, look, and I have my faults with the police because at the end of the day, they're the ones enforcing the laws and treading on us. But the, the demonizing of the police, so the individual policeman, like if I was a policeman and I knew that there was a pretty good chance if I got called to a domestic dispute, uh, some sort of a fight at a bar, whatever it may be, that... I'm going to end up on videotape, and no matter what happens, I'm going to look like I roughed up this person, and that's the end of my career. It's going to go everywhere, and they're going to destroy me. Well, that's what's happened over the last few years with police officers, right? And so the police officers, and I know many myself, end up standing down. They don't respond to calls. They don't go out there. They're not going to get involved. They're not going to be hands-on. So the actual true criminals are allowed to just run free. And then you know in various cities around the country, they've been raising the uh, the figure up to like $900 or $1,000 worth of goods you could steal from a store without being arrested. You're just handed a citation. And so the criminals are running free. Okay, well, that's a system that is obviously created, and it is intentional. My father had also yesterday sent me articles on what's going on in Portland and all the homeless and tent cities and crime and everything else. Okay, yeah, I completely understand that. It's there. So what happens, though, with someone like my dad, and he was a cop and he's been a PI, sometimes he gets pulled back into clown world, into the WWE wrestling clown world. And he looks at the surface and he goes, all these criminals are running free and the cops now aren't doing their job because of liberal mayors like this and we keep voting these people in and blah, 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 blah. Look, these people do not want to live in crime-ridden areas. You can't believe whether someone identifies or tells you they're a liberal, they're a leftist or whatever, that they love to walk out on the streets and see homeless tents everywhere, drag queen tranny hooker strippers rolling up and down the streets on uh, uh, hoverboards, you know, drug addicts all over the place, stores being broken into. Folks, it is intentional. There is a reason why this is happening. There's something like 101 homeless tent camps in Washington, D.C. right now. You don't truly believe that people like AOC or this Eric Adams or any of these other quacks actually want to live in hell, do you? You don't think they actually enjoy that? No, they all live in mansions behind a gate. All right. The idea is that they are driving us 
into a hellhole. This is all part of the plan. This is all part of making my life and your life so miserable that we will accept two things, folks. Prison planet technology all around us in the natural world and eventually locking ourselves in our 400 square foot pod prison closet and plugging ourselves into the metaverse. You don't think that all these things are coming up in stories daily and seem like they're converging by accident. This is not organic to force people into accepting a big brother prison planet technology. They have to live in a miserable crime ridden hellhole. To get people to completely withdraw from the crime-ridden hellhole and go inside the matrix, you have to make the hellhole so dangerous that regular folks are afraid to walk out on the street. And that is how you convince them to go into the metaverse. They did it two and a half years ago with COVID Land, the high school theater production. They got people to be afraid to go out on the streets because of a germ that they stayed in their homes And they worked on Zoom, sort of the first iteration of the metaverse, the 2D metaverse. But it was a prep game, a test pilot. And so now the idea is to make everything miserable. Look, I have a friend of mine who might be coming on the show soon, Steve, who uh, had a really good YouTube podcast. And he was living in uh, Oregon City, I believe it was. He said it was actually uh, about 20, 30 minutes outside of Portland, you know, fairly conservative place, the original city that was founded in. Uh, Oregon and it had a nice downtown and before you know it all these druggies all these trannies are hanging out there and eventually he just picked up with his family and they moved to Idaho and so I see the same thing where I live in Frederick, Maryland. I talked to people that are natives here. They said 15, 20 years ago, this was a very conservative place, a lot of farms, farmers, open space, rural. Now it's over congested. It's a nice downtown, Civil War style downtown, uh, some nice like chic restaurants and stuff. But now there's literally trannies rolling around on hoverboards. I'm not kidding you. I, I shot some video of that. I'll show you one day. Um, but this is trickling in from the cities for Steve, it came from Portland. From here, it comes from Baltimore and Washington, D.C. And the idea is to spread this misery across the country in as many ways as possible. Folks, you can go to the USDA home loan grants. And you, if you are dirt poor, basically near homeless, you can get a grant uh, or a loan, a low-interest loan, that you're never going to be able to afford, so the house is going to end up getting foreclosed on uh, because you can't afford it based on the standards you have to meet in order to get this home out in rural areas. So they're trying to move urban trash out into the rural areas and destroy everything. They have to destroy this world. And I told you yesterday the same goes with technocracy. They have to destroy the economy to force people into a CBDC social score system. They have to destroy the natural world with pollution and climate change to get people to agree to go live inside of the metaverse where you can go hike and walk on the beach there. They are doing this in multiple ways. So one of them is spreading this crime, this disease all over the place. I mean, they're doing it with actual diseases and germs as we showed in the beginning of the show with the monkeypox. 
stocks. And then they're also doing it with this orchestrated rise in crime. I mean, it's real crime, but they aren't policing it. They aren't controlling it. They're provoking it. They're actually encouraging it. And that is to make the world around you so disgusting, uh, making it like the world that the folks in the matrix have to live in while they're riding around in the Ebenezer eating mush okay basically eating crickets so they have to make you live in a shithole in a hellhole in order to drive you into accepting the solution which is the prison planet technology in the natural world and eventually going inside of the metaverse so Let's look at this article that uh, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, posted yesterday. It goes hand in hand with this. This is over at the Daily Mail. It says, pictured, uh, career criminal 41 who shoves stranger onto New York City subway tracks is arrested as rap sheet reveals 20 years sentence for attempted murder. It says on Friday afternoon, 32-year-old David Martin was randomly targeted and attacked by another man who violently shoved him onto the train tracks in Queens, breaking his collarbone. Three days later, the New York Police Department confirmed to Daily Mail that they had arrested 41-year-old former rapper and career criminal LaMail McRae thanks to controversial face recognition software. So they had to throw the word in this article, controversial. Okay, they could have just said face recognition software, or they caught them and they didn't have to tell you. But that's not the point. The point is the normalization, desensitization to the facial recognition software. It says McRae was pictured exclusively by Daily Mail, uh, bring uh, exclusive. Wow. This article is these articles I read folks. Sometimes I stumble over them because some artificial intelligence wrote them and there's so many typos in here, but it says brought to court while wearing the same yellow hoodie seen in the shocking video in 1998. McRae was sentenced to 20 years, uh, in prison was sentenced. Yeah. See, look at this folks in 1998. McRae was sentenced in 20 years in prison. 220 years in prison, it should say, on charges of attempted murder and robbery following an incident in the Bronx. Following his parole, McRae attempted a career as a rapper with the group The Brooklyn Kings, yo, with a Z. The group's most popular track, Memorial, blah, blah, blah. Now McRae is facing charges of attempted murder. And so it goes on to talk about here how he was captured using this uh, facial recognition software. I'm just flipping through some of the pictures here for the video audience at pain.tv slash gold. All right. So the idea behind this, folks, is that what they are doing, and Daily Mail is part of this, but just like the article we just read with the mayor talking about the rise in crime, is the solution, and you're going to see more and more of this now, they're going to start catching these criminals, these criminals that they allow to run around on the streets, that they provoke them and encourage them to commit crimes. They are now going to start catching them using facial recognition software similar to what we reviewed here. Peter Thiel, the government oligarch, the technocrat, the transhumanist technology, Clearview AI, which is the ability to scan your face and then pull up your entire digital footprint, you know, via your face scan. And so now they're going to start to turn the artificial intelligence face scans into the hero. 
and there will be people on both sides of the aisle, including a lot of people like my father, just a traditional Fox News conservative, former law enforcement, who will cheer it on. And they will say, this technology is good. Look, we're catching all these criminals. Well, don't you understand that the reason why the criminals were allowed to run free why we provoke them to go out there and commit crime was for the purpose of introducing this technology and then getting you used to it and cheering it on and before you know it folks everyone's face is scanned it's out there and that all becomes part of the prison planet you live in now when you're walking around being scanned at all times you don't think that this is just to prevent crime or come after you because you're deemed a criminal folks no they need all the facial recognition also for your digital twin in the metaverse because as they say every single person will have a digital twin avatar and so what you're doing in the real world while you're interacting with the augmented reality side of things your avatar will also know about inside of the cyber world inside of the metaverse and so they need to have all these 3d cameras around the world in order to track you and trace you inside of the metaverse as well folks everything is being tracked as the world economic forum panel showed us in the industrial metaverse they're building now everything in the industrial world is having a digital twin meaning there is a 3d model of everything being built and that will be your digital twin you will have one whether or not you create it yourself So if there's an app or some feature on Apple iPhone or on Android that says, create your avatar, create your digital twin, and you won't do it, it's already going to be created because you're going to be scanned and tracked and traced all over the place, everywhere you go, and all you're going to have to do is go there and claim your digital twin. Folks, I'm telling you, they are corralling us, they are driving us into this cyber world and you see it coming from the standpoint of the food from the standpoint of the economy from the standpoint of this crime everywhere is uh is designed now to drive us into this technological world folks they're doing it in so many ways and it's just a problem reaction solution feedback loop ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back i am dust gold with the dust gold standard right here on pain TV slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. And this, folks, this is the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. You know, folks, Mike Moore has taken up the moniker of Thomas Payne for quite a while. If I were going to take up one, I I mean, I have... uh, several founding fathers there was good and bad in everyone but uh, right now I, I would have to take up paul revere 
you know, and uh, Revere arranged to have a signal lit in the Old North Church. You probably heard this story, folks, and it was one lantern if the British were coming by land and two lanterns if they were coming by sea. And so I would have to have three lanterns up there to tell you that the technocracy is coming from everywhere. They're coming from the land, they're coming from the sea, they're coming from the sky, they're coming from the ground, they're coming from everywhere, folks. The technocracy is all around us now, and they are driving us into this prison planet world, uh, into this matrix. I think you can start to see now. Start to look at all of these things around you that sometimes you fall into the trap of the WWE wrestling clown world like my father does or my mother does. My father, I've talked to more about politics over the years because we allied on conservatism and even both supported uh, Trump back in 2015-16, but it's almost like he's stuck at that point. He can't get out of it. But I did have a long discussion with him the other day, and there were some breakthrough moments. I was talking to him about the psychedelics and the VR goggles, and he was pretty amazed. He does not listen to the show. I've never actually shared it with him because I don't want to get in any arguments (laughs) with him when I see him. I think I've crack some jokes about him on the show over the last uh, 71 episodes but folks i'm telling you three lanterns because the technocracy the transhumanists the technocratic transhumanists are coming from all directions ladies and gentlemen they are literally surrounding us and now when you start to look at all of the stuff that really doesn't didn't make sense to you or was blamed on just leftism or liberalism or bleeding hearts You know, it has a much more strategic purpose than any of that. And so it's designed to make the real world so miserable that you're willing to accept defeat and retreat into the metaverse or blow your own brains out or drink yourself to death. I don't know. They'd be happy with any of those folks. These guys would be happy with any of those. All right. Up on the screen, I have a Vox article. Now, I was not going to get into this today because Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, good friend of mine, sent this over to me today. And uh, I knew a little bit about this, but not a lot. And so I read the couple of articles she sent to me, and I said, you know what, Maria, I'm going to pop this in here today because this directly falls in line with what we've been talking about the last two days, and it falls in line, actually, with what we just talked about for the first hour here. And so I'm going to lay this out for you, and then I'm going to try to get Maria on. I don't know how much research she has done into this. Uh, But I'd like to get her on for about an hour to talk about this in depth uh, because this is further proof of the rise of the technocrats. And this is not to blackpill people. This is so you're aware of what is actually happening uh, and why it's moving so quickly. It feels like it's coming at us at warp speed, and that is because it's coming at us at warp speed, folks. All right, this says... Curtis Yarvin wants American democracy toppled. He has some prominent Republican fans. The new right blogger has been cited by Blake Masters and J.D. Vance. What exactly is he advocating, folks? All right, and Blake Masters, as you know, is one of Peter Thiel's boys. 
uh, who he is promoting for public office. He's backing with money, and this guy worked for Peter Thiel. We covered that briefly on the show. I haven't gotten into all the candidates that Peter Thiel has been backing. You just need to know right now that Peter Thiel is active in uh, politics but whether he gets people into office or not i don't think really matters because he is a government oligarch folks but let let's look into this curtis yarvin because this is actually quite important now i know that uh i believe whitney webb did some work on yarvin that i had read about before and then maria sent me the article again if i could ever get whitney webb on the show i would talk to her about this but as of right now she has not responded to my request for an appearance so if anyone is uh, in communication with her please let her know i'd love to have her on the show and she can promote her book do whatever she wants i just have some questions on some topics that she's researched in more depth than i have folks all right so feel free to uh to reach out to her it says here in september 2021 jd vance a gop candidate for senate in ohio appeared on a conservative podcast to discuss what is to be done with the united states and his proposals were dramatic he argued donald trump should be uh should he win another term to quote seize the institutions of the left end quote fire quote every single mid-level bureaucrat end quote in the united states government quote replace them with our people end quote and defy the supreme court if it tries to stop him now in theory, if I'm operating in WWE clown world, I agree with this, okay? Seize the institutions of the left, every uh, fire every single uh, mid-level bureaucrat, replace them with uh, like-minded folks, and defy the Supreme Court if it tries to stop them. Now, in theory, yes, if I'm operating in WWE clown world, and I believed it was that easy if we were back in 2015, I would 100% have been on board with a plan like this and cheered it on. Okay, let's continue. To the uninitiated, all that might seem stunning. But Vance acknowledged he had an intellectual inspiration, quote, so there's this guy, Curtis Yarvin, who has written about some of these things, end quote. Nearly a decade earlier, a Stanford law student named Blake Masters asked by a friend for reading asked by a friend for reading recommendations for a book club, emailed a link to a set of blog posts. These posts made an argument that was quite unusual in the American context, asserting that the democratically elected U.S. government should be abolished and replaced with a monarchy. Its author, then writing synonymously, was Yarvin, or sorry, pseudo-anonymously. Uh, Masters is now the GOP Senate nominee in Arizona. At a campaign event last year, according to Vanity Fair's James Pogue, he was asked how he'd actually drain the swamp in Washington. Quote, one of my friends has this acronym he calls RAGE, retire all government employees, end quote. Masters answered, you probably guessed who the friend is. All right, so again, we're just setting up this story. Don't worry that it's in Vox. This is important now because we're not looking at the world through a red, uh, right-left paradigm here at the Dust and Gold Standard. I cannot talk today, folks. I'm sorry about that. It says, in many thousand words... 
worth of blog posts over the last uh, past 15 years computer programmer and tech startup founder curtis yarvin has laid out a critique of american democracy arguing that it's liberals and elite academic institutions media outlets and the permanent bureaucracy who hold true power in this declining country while the united states executive branch has become weak incompetent and captured all right so let's just frame this up quickly. If we're operating in clown world, you have the right and you have the left. Okay. And so for a long time, if you came from the right, we were led to believe that the left was a bunch of communists and that they had power and they were destroying the constitutional republic. Our founders were the greatest thing since sliced bread. And all we had to do was win elections get conservatives in well first we had to beat rhinos republicans in name only we had to push them out get conservatives in have the conservatives win the elections over the left stop the commies and then restore our country to the constitution that's what we were led to believe now people on the left you have to look at it from their standpoint they were being told that the right were fascists Okay, and then all they had to do was get true progressives into office, uh, knock out basically the uh, establishment uh, blue dog Democrats, put the progressives in, and then the progressives were going to restore the country back to the Constitution. That's, That's basically what both sides were led to believe. All right, it says, but he stands out among right-wing commentators for being probably the single person who spent the most time gaming out how exactly the U.S. government could be toppled and replaced, quote, rebooted, end quote, or, quote, reset, end quote, as he likes to say, with a monarch, CEO, or dictator at the helm. Okay, so this guy is professing this stuff, toppling the government and replacing it with a monarch, CEO, or dictator. He is not advocating to topple the left and replace it with conservatives who want to restore the country to the Constitution and rebuild this representative democracy he doesn't talk about cleaning up the corruption and restoring us back to our constitutional rights no he's advocating for rebooting or resetting the entire government and putting it under the leadership of a monarch ceo or dictator now surprisingly enough you know trump has battled back and forth with um dick cheney's daughter right And so Dick Cheney once advocated for, apparently spent his whole career trying to prove that the president, the executive branch, has all the power and wanted to seize all the power of the government and put it under the control of the president. Well, that would be like a monarch CEO or a dictator. It goes on to say, Yarvin argues that a creative and visionary leader, a, quote, startup guy, end quote, like he says Napoleon or Lenin was, should seize absolute power dismantle the old regime and build something new in its place so he is advocating for this guy yarvin who has inspired jd vance and blake masters backed by peter thiel and you know who thiel is and thiel being in bed with uh, president trump and thiel 
behind Blake Masters, and Blake Masters, I think every day I get 16 emails uh, from the GOP and the Trump campaign list promoting the hell out of Blake Masters, right? So Blake Masters now following the political writings of this Yarvin who is advocating for overthrowing the U.S. government, okay, not saying overthrowing the left and returning it to a constitutional republic, but overthrowing the entire government, which we're to believe is just a corrupt version of the constitutional republic. So overthrowing the constitutional republic, rebooting it and resetting it, and putting into place a monarch CEO or dictator like Napoleon or Lenin, and they should seize absolute power dismantle the old regime so he's talking about the old form of government the constitutional republic and build a new form of government in its place this is the guy who has inspired the candidates that are backed by peter thiel more on this when i get back ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. Big shout-out, big shout-out to Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Payne Podcast on Fridays, for putting this in front of me today, because this is very important, folks. Now, it's funny, because uh, Yarvin there, who says we need a dictator like Napoleon or Lenin, right? It was Steve Bannon, Trump, uh, Trump's chief strategist for a little while in the White House, was also said to be a Leninist. Uh, just to throw that out there, folks. This article continues to say, Yar, uh, to Yarvin, incremental reforms and half measures are necessarily doomed. The only way to achieve what he wants is to assume, quote, absolute power, end quote. And the game is all about getting to a place where you can pull that off. Critics have called his ideas, quote, fascist, end quote, a term he disputes, arguing that centralizing power under one ruler long predates fascism, and that his ideal monarch should rule for all, rather than fomenting a class war as fascists do. Well, how would one rule for all if all have different ideas? You've all listened to Legal Man talk about the consent of the government, consent uh, of the people for the government to rule us, but all the people do not consent. Because even if you go off of general elections, half the country generally does not consent to Trump ruling over them or Biden ruling over them or the government doing anything. Okay, so it says here, quote, autocratic, end quote, fits as a descriptor, though his preferred term is, quote, monarchist, end quote. You won't find many on the right saying they wholly support Yarvin's program, especially the, quote, monarchy, end quote, thing. But his critique of the status quo and some of his ideas for changing it have influenced several increasingly prominent figures. 
All right, are you ready for this? And then I'm going to get into why this is very important, folks. It says, besides Vance and Masters, whose campaigns declined to comment for this story, Yarvin has had a decade-long association with billionaire Peter Thiel. There you go, Peter Thiel, who is similarly disillusioned with democracy and American government. Quote, I no longer believe that freedom and democracy are compatible, end quote. Thiel wrote in 2009 and earlier this year, he declared that Republican members of Congress who voted for Trump's impeachment after the January 6th attacks were, quote, traitorous, end quote. All right. Now, you know, that that could be conjecture or whatever. I mean, it doesn't really matter. The point here is that this guy has a long relationship with Thiel and he's obviously inspired Masters and Vance. All right, but, the, but there's a reason why this is important. Again, put it in context. He is not calling for a strong leader to come in, weed out the corruption, throw out the socialists and the commies, and restore the republic. No, he wants a dictator to come in. All right, and how does he want the dictator to rule? Well, let's find out. It says, Fox host Tucker Carlson is another fan interviewing Yarvin with some fascination for his streaming program last year. He's even influenced online discourse. Yarvin was the first to popularize the analogy from the Matrix of being, quote, red-pilled, end quote, or pilled. Suddenly losing your illusions and seeing the supposed reality of the world more clearly as applied to politics. Now, obviously, we agree with that here. But I don't think being red-pilled means installing a monarch. If anything, I would say uh, no ruler. (laughs) No one gets elected. Let's just try anarchy for a while. It goes on to say, overall, Yarvin is arguably the leading intellectual figure on the new right, a movement of thinkers and activists critical of the traditional Republican establishment who argue that an elite left, end quote, ruling class, end quote, has captured and is ruining America, and that drastic measures are necessary to fight back against them. And so his idea would to be install a king. Basically, he wants to install a king. Well, then it has nothing to do with America, because if we even want to believe the founding that we've been told, it was George Washington who did not want to be a king. You know, that's what we're told, right? So this guy now represents the new right. And so the new right has been around now since going back to basically 2015, the rise of Donald Trump. But the whole idea behind this new right, folks, many believed it was going to be an organized version of conservatism. But there's nothing conservative about this. And as I brought up with Magdalene Rose, the 22-year-old young conservative, where are the plans coming from the conservatives on what the country will look like in 20 years? Well, I guess this guy, who is friends with Peter Thiel, is at least putting a plan forward. So let's see what his plan is about. It says, and new right ideas are getting more influential among Republican staffers and politicians. Trump's advisors are already brainstorming Yarvinite, or at least Yarvin-lite, ideas for the second term, such as firing thousands of federal civil servants and replacing them with Trump loyalists. Again, we would have agreed with that. It says, with hundreds of, quote, election deniers, end quote, on the ballot this year, another disputed presidential election could happen soon, and Yarvin uh, has written a playbook for the power grab he hopes 
will then unfold. So these ideas are no longer entirely just abstract musings. It's unclear how many powerful people may take Yarvin entirely literally, but many do take him seriously. And after the 2020 election crisis, the fall of American democracy seems rather more plausible than it used to. To better understand the ideas influencing a growing number of conservative elites now and the battles that may lie ahead, then I reviewed, this is the author, not me, much of Yarvin's sizable body of work, and I interviewed him. During our lengthy conversation, Yarvin argued that the eventual fall of the United States democracy could be, quote, fundamentally joyous and peaceful, end quote. Yet the steps President Trump took in that direction after the 2020 election were not particularly joyous or peaceful, and it was hard for me to see why further movement down that road would be. All right, and this is important, folks, because just as you are seeing the cities crumble, as we just talked about, and the idea behind that is then to make AI, facial recognition and such, the hero, the solution, and you're seeing the crumbling of the economy, which will usher in central bank digital currencies, you're seeing the entire United States government look corrupt, as I talked about yesterday, it's all corrupt, the institutions are crumbling, let's replace that with a technocracy where the scientists and engineers will rule, and they'll answer to the people. The idea behind the election fraud was also a psychological warfare game, I believe, to make people not believe in the elections anymore, and therefore cheer up on either side whatever side they're on to basically seize power but what you'll see is that yarvin is actually advocating uh i mean he's talking to the right and usually the right the conservatives would have been talking about restoring the country to the constitutional republic to the constitution but that's not what he's talking about and yet somehow he's building a following and that is because People are so disgusted on the right with the system, with the corruption, with the failure of these institutions, that they're willing to cheer on the idea of just crushing and dismantling this current corruption, but yet they are being led into a battle that ends up with a solution that they're not going to agree with, and that solution is to end up with a monarch, with a king, with a dictator, with a CEO running the entire government. Now, if Yarvin was talking about tearing down the government and restoring it to only small local governments, that might be a different thing. I would probably be sitting here going, look, this guy's talking about tearing down this, this, this monster, giant, big government and restoring it to local uh, you know, local order and allowing uh, local governments to to um, handle everything and get rid of this giant federal government. Okay, that's a different story. But now he's talking about installing a king over all the people. It goes on to say, from obscure anti-democracy blogger to new right influencer. In Yarvin's telling, his political awakening occurred during the 2004 election. A computer programmer... There you go, folks, a computer programmer living in Silicon Valley. Yes, oh yes, this is the man that you want leading you, folks, into your life of personal freedom, liberty, and human autonomy, right? A computer programmer living in Silicon Valley. He was then an avid reader of political blogs following the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth scandal about whether Democrat nominee John Kerry had lied about aspects of his military service. 
Yarvin thought it was clear Kerry had lied and felt the media went to stunning lengths to protect him and smear his accusers. But he also became disillusioned with the conservative response, which he thought amounted to ineffectively complaining about, quote, media bias, end quote, and continuing with politics as usual. The problem, he felt, was far deeper. An intense period of reading old books on political theory and history to contemplate how systems work followed. Eventually, he, as he later put it, quote, stop believing in democracy, end quote, comparing this realization to how formerly religious people feel when they stop believing in God. Soon he began posting blog comments and then writing a self-described, quote, anti-democracy blog, end quote, beginning in 2007 under the pseudonym, uh, pseudonym uh, Mencius Moldbug. In these writings, uh, discursive filled with historical references wry and often gleefully offensive he laid out a sort of grand theory of why america is broken and how it can be fixed and so he says one the government is the government is celeronic decaying institution that can no longer achieve great or even competent things and as he now puts it, just sucks. Constrained by the separation of powers in Congress, the president has, quote, negligible power, end quote, to achieve his agenda. In contrast to the, quote, deep state, end quote, bureaucracy and the nonprofits that are permanent fixtures of Washington's government class. And so, as you know, here we call the whole entire operation the state. There is no deep state. It is just the state. True power in the United States is held by, quote, the cathedral, end quote, elite academic and media institutions that, in Yarvin's telling, set the bounds of acceptable political discourse and distort reality to fit their preferred ideological frames. This does not unfold as a centralized conspiracy, but rather through a shared worldview and culture. And his explanation for why society keeps moving to the left through the decades Number three, so he's talking about moving to the left, but at the same time, he wants now this dictator to rule over everyone. He says, it's not just the current government that sucks. Democracy sucks, too. Sometimes he denounces democracy entirely, calling it a, quote, dangerous, malignant form of government, end quote. Well, we could sit here and talk about the difference between a democracy and a constitutional republic or a representative democracy. Goes on to say, sometimes he says democracy doesn't even practically exist in the U.S. because voters don't have true power over the government as compared to those other interests, which function as an oligarchy. Sometimes he argues that organizations in which leadership is shared or divided simply aren't effective. And finally, he says, far preferable in his view would be a government run like most corporations with one leader holding absolute power over those below, though perhaps accountable to a, quote, board of directors, end quote, of sorts. He admits that an accountable autocracy is a real problem. This monarch CEO would have the ability to actually run things unbothered by pesky civil servants, judges, voters, the public, or the separation of powers. Quote, how do we achieve effective management? 
we know one simple way, find the right person and put him or her in charge, end quote, he writes. So he is advocating for a dictator, folks. And so what happens if the solutions that the dictator offer are not the solutions that you like? So now you don't even have the illusion of being able to make decisions. But what he is not getting at is that these decisions and the reason why this is happening are because we are moving into this technocracy. We have not not operated as a constitutional republic for many many years and these scientists these engineers these special interests are actually running this government but folks as you'll see in a moment yarvin is in fact a technocrat ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, this is this is very, 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 very important because this really, really solidifies what we've been talking about the last couple of episodes, but really all 70 episodes that we put out there. So you have this guy, Yarvin, now, uh, who is friends with Peter Thiel. We know Peter Thiel carries a lot of clout. And so Yarvin, uh, and we're going to show some Yarvin stuff over the next couple of days as we also work on uh, transhumanism. Don't worry, we haven't lost sight of where we are, but I have to bring some of this current stuff in because it is happening so quickly. So now you have Yarvin, who is now um, affecting uh, the ideology of the new right movement, and we're starting to see being uh, people being pushed into this idea, which is going to be to cheer on and accept a technocracy. I mean, Yarvin has said, and we'll show more of this over the coming days, that he envisions this monarch, this dictator, as a technocrat. And remember, yesterday, as we got into the history of technocracy, the the technocrats basically say that this system uh, run by these scientists and engineers but now as you know through the new version of technocracy there will be a dictator a king in charge of the technocracy as i told you they are currently working on anointing elon musk as the head of that at least he will be the uh, figurehead of the technocracy for a while because we're going to move into a place as the public sector completely evaporates into the private sector rising as the overseers of stakeholder capitalism that there won't need to be any rules uh, on who the president could be or whether or not they're a natural born citizen or any of that because the government will now be privatized out in the open and so anyone will be able to sit there as the king as the ceo of the technocracy and so yarvin has actually uh, talked about uh, some of these ideas so as you see when he is advocating for tearing down the system and he's hammering the left and saying the country's moving to the left he's doing that because he is speaking to the right 
and he's trying to get the right on his side to cheer on tearing down the system and the right believes that we're going to tear down the system and restore it to a republic when in fact Yarvin is talking about tearing down the system rebooting it and resetting it and turning it into a full-blown technocracy with no illusion of anything other than the technocracy but almost no one is going to pick this stuff up folks they're not going to understand it i think the only reason why we're able to talk about it here is because we have 70 episodes behind us and i assume the majority of you have been reading about studying researching listening to other podcasts in this genre and you understand technocracy you understand transhumanism you understand where the scientists and engineers are going with this so we're able to literally dissect this but to try to to explain this to people folks it's like 15 different star wars movies that you're trying to boil down and tell your friend over a cup of coffee and then get it to stick and then try to figure out how to tell people how we can defeat it or how we can avoid it let's continue here because this article is very detailed and i do want to work through this it says for years yarvin would was something of an odd internet curiosity with his ideas far more uh, uh, from most political conservatives' radar. He gained one prominent reader, Peter Thiel, who had written about his own disillusionment with democracy, became a Yarvin friend, and funded his startup. Quote, he's fully enlightened, end quote, Yarvin later wrote of Thiel in an email. Quote, just plays it very carefully, end quote. Thiel did not respond for a request to comment. Beyond that, idea bloggers like robin hansen and scott alexander argued with him and he gradually got more attention for being a leading figure in the quote neo-reactionary end quote movement through his blog was pseudonymous he had not made a particularly extensive effort to keep his identity secret appearing in person as Moldbug to give a talk at a conference in 2012. In the following years, journalists began to write about him by name, and though he soon put his blog on hiatus to focus on his startup, outrage over some of his writings continued to follow him. Yarvin was disinvited from one tech conference in 2015 after protests, and his appearance at another in 2016 led several sponsors and speakers to withdraw. Now, it's going to be quite entertaining because what's going to happen with these technologists? Are they going to end up getting on board with him when they realize that he is advocating for a technocracy? It goes on to say the sticking points commonly cited by his critics included one Moldbug post on historical thought about slavery, which was seized on as proof that he was, quote, pro-slavery, end quote, and a racist. In a response, he said he believes in the biological roots of intelligence and does not believe that all populations or racial groups are equally intelligent on average. But he insisted racism was despicable and said he did not believe Europeans have an inherent or, quote, moral superiority, end quote, over other races. Another post that spurred outrage discussed far-right Norwegian mass murderer Anders Brivik. Yarvin argued that the political organizations of left heroes like Che Guevara and Nelson Mandela also murdered civilians, and they should face condemnation too. 
All right, so as you see, we're just going to go into the background of this because over the next day, I'm going to have to unwind uh, Yarvin for you. Uh, and then we're going to show you how he is uh, affecting the current Trump movement as well. Uh, this is very dangerous stuff, folks, because if they get the right to fully embrace and to cheer on technocracy, and I think that's going to be possible because under the Trump era, especially during 2015 and 16, they were able to get the right to sort of cast aside conservatism and embrace the idea of populism, which I always said was very dangerous. It was interesting to see people take on and adopt populism that came from the conservative side of the aisle when four years before that, when Elizabeth Warren was being talked about as a populist, the right was shunning populism and part of this idea of populism came out of steve bannon and steve bannon is tied into yarvin as well eventually i will get into steve bannon on this show i was trying to extend i might as well just tell you this i was trying to extend an olive branch to joe allen who covers technocracy and transhumanism for steve bannon on his podcast and so joe allen writes a number of articles that I've read on the topics of transhumanism and technocracy. And so, you know, listen, I tweeted at him. He wrote me back and gave me his email. I emailed him. He never got back to me. Uh, so I hit him in a tweet yesterday because he was promoting Jack Posobiec, all right, talking about uh, transhumanism and basically making Jack Posobiec look like a hero. So I quoted that tweet and I said, well, how does this play out considering that Posobiec's rise to fame came from a Peter Thiel henchman? And so Peter Thiel's henchman, uh, Jeff Gesia, we'll get into that one day with Marie Albanese because she's done a lot of research in that area. Um, Gesia backed Jack Posobiec. Posobiec came out of MAGA3X, came out of the Deplorable uh, which was one of the Trump inaugural balls with all the sort of new right figures. I was there actually dressed up as Trump for that, trying to get some press for my comedy business at the time. And so Posobiec came out of that Thiel group. And now Posobiec is talking uh, about transhumanism, but yet he's not mentioning Peter Thiel. So then Joe Allen writes to me and he says, oh yeah, maybe he touched somebody who knew someone who had COVID and that implicates him. And I said to Allen, well, can I see your work on Peter Thiel? We'd be interested in covering that here at the Dustin Gold Standard. Um, I said, uh, I, I haven't seen you write about that. And he goes, oh, I, I know about Thiel, but it's very complicated and I haven't had an opportunity to write about that yet. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit Joe Allen with um, this stuff on Yarvin and see what he says. Because with Yarvin connected to Peter Thiel and Yarvin connected to Bannon, of which Bannon had called himself a Leninist at one point, and Steve Bannon, folks, uh, spook, 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 uh, go read his bio. I've been tracking Steve Bannon for many years, uh, was not happy about when he got involved with the Trump campaign. And so now you have Joe Allen over there doing this technocracy stuff, but they're going to cover up for certain people that are involved with the technocracy and involved with transhumanism like Peter Thiel. There's nothing 
complicated about Peter Thiel. I said to Joe Allen, we covered Thiel in probably six episodes, and there's a lot of stuff that I'm missing, and I would love to talk to anyone else who has done extensive research into Peter Thiel. So if you have stuff or you've done it, feel free to come on our show and talk to us about it. Because uh, Peter Thiel, I think, is one of the biggest villains in this entire movement. He is the one who openly said that transhumanism, uh, transhumanism and Christianity are basically the same thing because they both offer this uh this eternal life and so you know look i'm not here i told you to show for christianity but i don't think you can compare christianity to transhumanism uh you might not believe in christ or the idea of descending to heaven and spending uh eternal life with god up there but that is not the same uh as the transhumanist technocrats offering you immortality by uploading your consciousness to the cloud and living inside their prison planet matrix metaverse with them no it is not uh anything alike one is building a sort of this fake heaven right here on earth and the other is transcending so peter thiel openly said that folks and so i'm gonna have to get to the bottom of this with joe allen at some point i would assume i'm being cordial i'm not being rude but at some point i assume he's going to block me or maybe he hasn't because they went and they checked out the thomas Paine podcast and mike's website pain.tv slash gold and they checked out my show and they don't necessarily want a, a battle between the two networks and i'm not looking to battle i'm just looking to find out why some people seem to be talking about technocratic transhumanism but then they're covering for certain people or what happens that i find in some of joe allen's articles is they will write this stuff and say basically make it look like the people that are pushing it are kooks versus what i do here i'm trying to show you the truth that the people that are pushing this are in high positions of power influence and control large portions of the wealth in this country and around the world and they are advancing at light speed and so rather than trying to make it look like a couple of kooks i'm trying to tell you the truth and show you where this stuff is creeping out and how they're utilizing even old world rules for radicals type of propaganda campaigns and you know marxist elements in this uh to push forward with this technocracy and with this goal of engineering humanity out of existence and so if people were talking about it uh that this is a war on humanity and that folks need to start to come together from the right from the left black and white brown uh, different religions, everything in between to come together because there's a group of high-powered scientists, engineers, and technologists that believe they should be in power. Some of them believe that they should overthrow the government and replace it with a technocratic king who will oversee the entire government. And folks, don't think for one second that that human will not soon be replaced with a transhuman or replaced with artificial intelligence itself because with the current form the modern form of technocracy the ultimate goal is to rule over the world and have it completely governed by an artificial intelligence wizard of oz ladies and gentlemen tomorrow we're going to get back into yarvin i had to deviate over to this it's very important folks 
I had to do it. I mean, I had to do it, and I'm glad Marie Albanese put this on my plate. So we'll see if we can get her to maybe drop in tomorrow and start to fill in some of the blanks for us while I continue to cover this. There's several articles that I need to get to. I need to show you how Yarvin is now embedded into the Trump movement. Don't worry, folks. This isn't all the right. Over on the left, they're pushing technocracy as well. Remember, it was Andrew Yang running under the Democrat ticket that popularized universal basic income, which is a major tenet of technocracy and of this transhumanist movement. It all comes together. We're being attacked from all sides. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe my name now is Paul Revere, and I will put up three lanterns because the transhumanist technocrats are attacking us from all sides, folks. Left, right, up, and down, front, and back. They are all around us, watching us like a 360 camera. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.